Welcome to the fifth episode of the podcast. This is your proprietor, Tony Ortega, coming to you from an undisclosed location deep inside the interior of the Earth's crust, otherwise known as the Underground Bunker. This week, we had the privilege of speaking with one of our favorite contributors at the bunker, former Sea Org member, Sonny Pereira. She's written some devastating pieces for us about Scientology's toxic practices. But she surprised us recently by telling us that she had witnessed something that might help us understand where Scientology had dreamed up the religious arbitration strategy that is proving to be such a boon for Scientology in litigation. Hey, Sonny, thank you so much for joining me. And uh, I wanted to ask you about something. Um, I've been, another reporter has actually asked me a good question. When did this, this, arbitration thing begin you know scientology's been killing these lawsuits with this arbitration strategy based on the idea that scientologists sign contracts obliging them to take any grievance to their own version of arbitration and not sue in court and uh, a reporter the other day asked me when did they start doing this and that's a great question i'm not sure I, I suppose it might have something to do maybe with the Wallersheim cases back in the 80s. I said that to Jeffrey Augustine the other day. But I also suspected the Lisa McPherson thing had something to do with it. And you, of all people, have a really interesting account that suggests that it was the McPherson thing. Tell, tell me that story. So I was at Celebrity Center from 1991 till about 1998, And during that time, I had a lot to do with the staff training and processing and also other areas like the public uh, service. But one of my sideline duties was being a member of what's called the Perimeter Council. Perimeter Council is a group of Sea Org members that is on every Sea Org property that meets at least once a week, probably some, some of them meet daily to discuss issues regarding public or staff that need to be dealt with because they could be causing a situation or what we call a flap outside of your perimeter of your property. It's literally referring to the perimeter of the property. It could be somebody gets pregnant, like a Sea Org member gets pregnant, somebody wants to leave the Sea Org, somebody gets very ill, um, somebody, is going to the rehabilitation project force, all the matters, uh, it could be a suicidal public. uh, And we have to figure out what we're gonna do and make decisions based on that. And during that time, you know, when I was at CC, I was was a really hardcore Sea Org member. You know, I was proud of what we were doing. And right around the time that, we got this information that least not, I, I never heard of Lisa McPherson when I was in the Sea Org, but we got this information in early, late 95 uh, or early 96 about someone on the introspection rundown who did not do well at flag. And um, they said the person died and they had told us that we were no longer allowed to let any Scientologists take melatonin because it would make people psychotic. And that was what came down to us uh, from 
that situation at flag and that we never heard the name of the person I found out after I left. So after soon after that, these contracts showed up for the religious services. And as a member of a perimeter council, we were so excited. We had our meeting, we were looking at the contract and we were like, wow, this is going to help so much because it's going to, it's going to stop legal cases. We're not, this is the end. I mean, literally, this is the end of legal cases for Scientology. These documents are going to protect Scientology for eternity. Wow. Okay, so let me just back up a little. Yeah, you threw a lot of jargon there. And let me make sure and help people understand. You were a member of Scientology Sea Org, the, the, the group that signs billion-year contracts and promises to serve lifetime after lifetime. How old were you when you started that? When I started in the Sea Org? Yeah. Uh, seventh grade, so 12. 12 years old, you signed a billion-year contract. You were in Los Angeles where there's the Celebrity Center on Franklin, right? Very well-known landmark there in Hollywood. Correct. Uh, and you're referring to a death that occurred at Flag. Flag is short for the Flag Land Base which is in Clearwater, Florida. So across the country, this woman who was not in the Sea Org, she was a, a public, her name was Lisa McPherson, had been held in something called the Introspection Rundown, uh, which is something, this bizarre thing L. Ron Hubbard, the founder of Scientology, had come up with, where he decided the way to deal with a psychotic episode is to hold the person in silence. Put them in a room, nobody can talk to them, they can rave all they want, nobody will answer them and just give them the silent treatment day after day. Well, they had, well, this was in 1995. Hubbard had died in 1986. So uh, this is nine years after Hubbard was gone, but Lisa McPherson had a psychotic episode. They've stuck her in a, a hotel cabana in Florida. And 17 days later, after 17 days of the silent treatment, she was dead. <laughs> and so this turns in, that was in uh, December 1995. By 1996, it was beginning to become public and it was becoming one of the biggest public relations disasters in Scientology history. And as a result of that, you're saying, this group of you whose job it was, when you say perimeter committee, I think of this as like the committee in charge of holding down scandals, right? Uh, you're, you guys were thrilled to find that there was this new set of contracts that were going to prevent these kinds of, you know, legal problems in the future. Correct. And, and you remember that there was this arbitration clause in there that would prevent people from suing the church. Is that what you were excited about? Yeah, the arbitration clause and also um, that we were able to administer introspection rundowns if someone needed it. Um, we were able to have that control if we needed it. Yeah, I think Jeffrey Augustine has referred to it as the kidnap contract. That basically Scientologists give up all rights if Scientology believes that, that they have become psychotic then Scientology can do whatever they want with them. That that gave you that power is what you're saying. That's correct. That's amazing. And, and I uh, think uh, yeah, what we're seeing, what we're seeing now is 
I hate to say it that way, but Miscavige's joyride testing this contract in the court systems. Well, it is interesting that, okay, so Lisa McPherson died in 95, and, and sometime after that, they decided that uh, a, for future problems, they would create this contract that had Scientologists giving up all their rights. Uh, and that as a member of the perimeter committee, you thought that was a good thing at the time. Right. Um, but it's interesting because several people still did sue after that. And uh, I'm thinking in particular, Laura DiCrescenzo, who sued in 2009, and her case didn't conclude until 2018. And they didn't try the arbitration thing against her. But when the Garcias sued in 2013, this was the first case where, I don't think it's the first case they brought up arbitration. I think they had also done that with Bird Shippers before. But this was the first case where a judge that I'm aware of, where a judge said, yes, you signed a contract. You have to follow that contract. You cannot sue the church. That was Judge James Whittemore in Tampa. He made that decision, I believe, in 2015. Uh, and ultimately, the Garcias did go through the arbitration. They said it was a joke. They were not allowed an attorney. They were not allowed a transcript. The IJC, the Inter International Justice Chief, Mike Ellis, disallowed 90% of the evidence they brought with them. I mean, it was just a farce. But Judge Whittemore accepted the results, and then the 11th Circuit, after a three-year appeal, upheld the ruling. So, wow, that was a huge victory for Scientology, and you can see that Miscavige is now using that as much as he possibly can. Uh, he's, done, he's used that in three additional lawsuits since then, and uh, he's had two victories, and then one of those victories overturned. So, and now he's trying the same thing with this new labor trafficking lawsuit. Right. Uh, <clears throat> wow, but you saw, you saw this then arise directly from the Lisa McPherson thing. Yeah, that was the first time I'd ever seen uh, anything like it. I don't remember any earlier having contracts like that. Um, and we had all the Sea Org members sign it like that day, the next muster. We had copies and everyone signed one. Uh, I don't even think we gave them time to read it. I mean, who knows? Well, that, I mean, yeah. I mean, when, whenever this comes up, I, I think people are surprised to find that they even signed something like that. You, yeah. You, you know, oh, you want to take this course? Here, sign this. Okay. You know, I mean, who who goes through the fine print, you know? Yeah, but when you're dealing with Scientology, you kind of have to. You should. You should. That's a yeah. good point, Sonny. But I honestly think with all of these cases, he's he's trying to see how far how far it'll go and will it will it really hold up like his lawyers told him it would. Well, I mean, they're on a winning streak. They they the Garcia case uh not only um forced the Garcias into this ridiculous arbitration, but it was upheld by the eleventh circuit. And then uh, the second time it, it worked was against Valerie Haney. And she's now facing the prospect of going through the arbitration. The third time they used it uh, uh, with success was against the Danny Masterson accusers. Uh, the judge in that case also 
ruled that, well, a contract's a contract. You have to go to arbitration. But that ruling was overturned this past January because the, the, the appeals court pointed out that the harm that these women say they've been going through, the, the harassment campaign, has occurred after they left Scientology. So they shouldn't, those contracts should not apply um, uh, to the actual allegations if they happened after Scientology. So that one got overturned. But there, any day now, I'm expecting to see the Supreme Court petition they're submitting against that. And that's kind of interesting and scary that Scientology is trying to go to the U.S. Supreme Court to get backing on this arbitration scheme. And then the most recent one is the labor trafficking lawsuit filed in April by um, Valeska Paris and the Baxters. Scientology has now filed a, a, a motion to compel arbitration there. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, at some point, Miscavige realized he had a very powerful tool in court and he's been using it as much as he possibly can. I think, I think that's the case. And I don't, yeah, I, I can't help but wonder how he got entangled into, how is Scientology entangled into the Danny Masterson case? How did they, like that one boggles me because, you know, back when I was back in the nineties, if you get someone with legal trouble, they're out. You can't even have them on the property. They're not, you know, go figure it out. But yeah, I, guess, I did want I did want to ask you about that one because you you were up close with all these um, celebrities at the CC, and you saw how they were uh, treated, how they were thought of by the church. The man, you know, I when I first broke the news that Danny Madison was being investigated by the LAPD back in 2017, five years ago. Um, Right from the beginning, I was hearing from people saying, oh, Scientology is going to drop you like a hot rock. You know, Miscavige is going to wash his hands of this guy because he's brought, you know, bad publicity on the church. He's in big trouble. And I, and I keep hearing it today. Oh, the Scientology is just going to abandon that guy. But they haven't. I mean, not, not, and I don't mean it like in a theoretical way. I mean, Scientology has been fighting for him in court in his criminal case that where Scientology is not a party, they have showed up trying to, you know, trash the judge. And it's stunning to see how much Scientology seems invested in Danny Masterson, this guy who's facing trial for forcibly raping three different women and, and is facing 45 years to life in prison, a Scientologist celebrity who's accused of praying on Scientologist women and then the church being involved in covering it up. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Because you saw, I guess you saw some celebrities in trouble. Well, how did the church normally deal with it? I mean, normally they would drop him like a hot potato. I, 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 I don't understand. I don't understand why they're helping him either. There's, there's gotta be something to that. I honest, I can't speak for that because I have no idea. Um, but, you know, you know, the weirdest part, I mean, him being accused of rape and uh, it being a court case are two separate things. Like if somebody got accused of rape in Scientology, nobody would ever bring it to the courts. Right. It would be dealt with internally where both sides, both parties uh would be given security checking um they would be both under interrogations to find out what actually happened and you know i wonder 
do they think Danny is innocent? Is that why they're helping him? I mean, I can't even. Well, they're, they're, so thoroughly, they're so thoroughly involved in it. I mean, it, uh, there's no question that uh, Danny and his victims, at least one, if not all three, were sec-checked. They were interrogated by a Scientology sec-checker. Uh, there's references to that in this the most recent case where I um, there was a June 30th hearing. And I, I quoted from the transcript in a piece at the, at the bunker. And you can see in those quotes that I took out, there are references to Danny's report. Uh, so, you know, I don't know if the prosecution has it or not, but there's no question that Scientology interrogated Danny Masterson. And That's correct. It's 100% and, correct. It ha he has to have been. And they interrogated uh, at least Jane Doe one. I don't know about Jane Doe two and Jane Doe three. So um, yeah, Scientology. And, and then the other thing is uh, when Jane Doe one went to the LAPD uh, about a year after her incident in, in 2004, um, Scientology apparently rounded up various members to submit affidavits to the LAPD to kill the investigation. So I don't know, maybe does, maybe is Scientology so afraid of its own exposure in an investigation about what happened then that it's sticking by Danny. I mean, what are the possibilities here as far as a Scientologist, I mean, a celebrity in the church? I mean, it's it's bizarre. I mean, if he gets convicted of being a rapist, he can't be a Scientologist anymore. He'll be out. So, I mean, there's that. I mean, that's a long shot, though, if they if they're betting on that. But I mean, how many Scientologists are they going to be losing if he gets convicted? That's are interesting. People going to leave with him. That's an interesting question. I, you know, you, 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 uh, you raise a really good question, and that is, what kind of a price will Scientology pay uh, if Danny is convicted of these crimes? I mean, you know, are are you know other Scientologist celebrities are going to be asked about it, and are they going to see uh, an exodus of celebrities? I don't know. I mean, at at this point, so far. I don't really see even the people that were close to Danny getting asked much about it. You know, some of his that '70s show people really haven't been, uh, in, you know, asked too much uh, by the press. In some ways, it's kind of funny because I don't know if it's. Uh, it just seems like this this case does get steady press coverage, but not as much as I would think. Uh, and I, I don't know if it's just that the the Scientology angle make some press reticent or not probably i would think so they don't normally like touching anything that has that word in it scientology so yeah uh well we'll see about uh you know the, the trial's coming up fast and uh i know the press will be there every day so that that will be we'll get to see how how you know whether it's on the front page or not yeah. um well, let me let me ask you also about uh, the uh, uh, the perimeter committee. I, I, I'm fascinated by this idea that 
these Sea Org members were had this sort of sort of mini watchdog committee to make sure <laughs> they weren't flaps. Can you give me a couple examples of other things that you guys did? Um, we anybody who wanted to leave the Sea Org, we would talk about that person and what their current situation is, why they're trying to leave, and how we're going to handle it. Who's going to do their interrogations? They all get interrogations. Um, uh, that one woman, uh, she was seven months pregnant from Taiwan who tried to jump off the sixth floor um, and was physically pulled back by one of the, our staff members. Uh, that was one of the ones we had to deal with trying to figure out what to do. She was a public. Um, Yikes. Yeah. Um, Anyone who had suicide thoughts, it could be a, a, a Sea Org member or a public. We can't look, it got to a point where you couldn't have anybody on the Celebrity Center property if they had any thoughts about suicide or attempts at any time. Um, anybody who was on what's called a PAB 6, which is um, a professional auditor bulletin number six, which is basically the prequel to the introspection rundown um, before the introspection rundown uh, came out, people would use the PAP six handling, which is take walks every day, vitamins, you know, eat, sleep and stuff like that. And we would actually have people running programs. Like we'd have a set of steps for them of Sea Org members to go through these things, to get their, their heads straight. I mean, honestly, a lot of them were just lacking sleep and uh, mental torture of trying to get weekly statistics up. But um, we had, you know, we always had at least five people on PAB six programs trying to keep them off the need for an introspection rundown. So there would be that. Um, anybody acting like off? I mean, we had some that were just straight up off and didn't belong in the Sea Org. Uh, some of them, you know. <laughs> well, let's, let's not mention names as far well, I'm as not going to. Sea Org members having uh, difficult times. Uh, were there over the edge sometimes. Um, the stress pushes people pretty far and um, it comes out in, in many different ways. Um, we had two, two people uh, that they were trying to say were on the introspection rundown, but really they were just, one of them was uh, locked up in a closet in the dark. This is when I first came to CC, this guy was locked up in a closet and they were trying to figure out how to get him to get some sleep. And they came to me, uh, trying to find out how they could get him some sleep. And they tried to get Dr. Shields to uh, give him some sedatives and he wouldn't take sedatives. And we tried to hide sedatives into like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. They had like a jelly form and he wouldn't take that. And he was punching walls and beating up anyone who came near him. And yeah, that was, that was one of the things we would deal with in perimeter council. He was not in the right place to get help. What what happened to him ultimately? He uh, finally uh, was 
out of the Sea Org and um, he's a public Scientologist, happy. Wow, he got some sleep, I guess. He's on the fringes of being a public Scientologist. They don't let those people back in. I you see. Know, they just show up to events, but you can't sell them any services. They're not allowed to do anything but donate money, and that's it. What about the celebrities? Did you have to deal with some unruly or, you know, unhappy celebrities while you were there? I mean, they, they really unruly celebrities. I mean, we would try to do what we had to do to keep them happy. So like, for example, one, uh, can I mention the name of the celebrity? Sure. Okay. Well, we, we know the one I had mentioned was Kirstie Alley when she, um, didn't want to be married to Parker anymore, Parker Stevenson. And that became something that Celebrity Center had on their, uh, in their situation front and center where they were dealing with it. And, um, her new, um, boyfriend hadn't been introduced to Scientology as far as I remember. And he was getting free auditing sessions. Meanwhile, Kirsty and her husband at the time were doing marriage counseling at Celebrity Center. And the whole thing was directed to getting Parker to be willing to move on from his marriage and let her move on. And Celebrity Center backed that. So Celebrity Center wanted Parker out of the picture so Kirstie could start up with her new boyfriend. Yes, they were facilitating that. Uh-huh. Just like they did with uh, Tom Cruise. Uh, they wanted him, they wanted him to get away from Mimi so they could get together with Nicole. It's a uh, you know, matchmaker. You know, Scientology loves to play matchmaker. It's so bizarre. And it, it has more to do with having, uh, you know, how does, how does this match help expand Scientology? I mean, that's the thought process, which doesn't make any sense. Why are we meddling in people's lives like that? It is pretty nuts. I mean, it made sense at the time, but it's nuts. Yeah, especially if it's, well, I'm sure Parker's better off. Hope so. And, I hope so. And then, of course, you told the wonderful story that we wrote about uh, at the bunker about Brad Pitt bringing in his iguana to get some auditing. Yes. Yep, that's right. He got a nerve assist. Mm -hmm. a, ner a nerve assist. That's right. Not auditing. Yeah, the iguana wow. got a nervousist. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, oh, there was another question I wanted to ask you about the celebrities. I know you're not thrilled about talking about the celebrities, but um, oh, back to Danny Masterson for a minute. I just wanted to get your thoughts on this, and I, I, I know there maybe is not a right answer on this, but one of the things that's interesting to me about Danny Masterson and Scientology's loyalty to him is that this is a guy that's never been like uh, much of a Scientologist. He's not, doesn't have the completions. He's never gone clear. Um, he doesn't, you know, doesn't do much auditing at all. Does that, does that matter to Scientology or do they think, well, he's a big name and he makes us look good. So maybe we should stick by him or something. I don't know. 
The only logical thing I can think of about him is the entourage, his family or whoever they are worried about coming out because he, like if he becomes a convicted criminal, uh, he can't be in Scientology anymore. And is he going to drag people out with him? Is he going to uh, talk people into leaving? There'll be like he, a showdown of that. Like who's he is part him? of a large, yes, he is part of a large Scientology group. That's, 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 I'm glad you brought that up. That is very so interesting. Will, will they walk away with him or will they disconnect from him? This is, this is a question, you know? I'm told that, uh, he's fiercely loyal to his mother and his siblings, like unusually so, and they to him. And they will stick by him no matter what. So, yeah, I guess if he's convicted and Scientology then kicks him out, I guess they're going to lose that whole clan. Yeah. How far out does that clan reach? It's immediate family. Is it other friends too? Is it there's there's got to be something on that side of it that they're worried about, but that's just a guess. I, I really don't know. I just have to, I have to think it's that. Right. That's a good point. Um, and let me ask you another celebrity question. I know you hate celebrity questions, son, but I can't help it. You were at the celebrity center. You saw all these people. Um, I'm curious your thought on, why isn't Scientology bad-mouthing or denouncing some of these celebs who are now taking soft exits, like Beck, like Laura Prepon? Um, you know, Leah, of course, is the opposite example. She came out guns blazing. She's been denouncing Scientology, exposing Scientology, wants people to understand all the abuses. And then Beck, on the other hand, uh, Beck Hansen, gives an interview to an Australian newspaper and says, yeah, I'm not a Scientologist. And then, and, and then lies and says he never was a Scientologist, which is just patently untrue. But he, you know, the fact that he announced to a newspaper that he was not a Scientologist was a big deal. And then, I don't know, uh, six months later or a year later, Laura Prepon did something similar. She said that she had not been a Scientologist for five years uh, in a magazine interview. Um, but neither one of them has said another, anything else about it. They've not given any interviews about it. They've certainly not said anything critical about the Church of Scientology. Um, but Scientology hasn't really run them down at all. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, because they're not doing any kind of direct attack or criticism of Scientology, they, they just... I think they just let him go. I mean, Brad Pitt tried it. I mean, he was there for a while. He wasn't there for five minutes. He was there for a while. I saw him many, many times getting auditing sessions. And, you know, he he left quietly too. I mean, I don't know that he ever said anything, but, you know, there's behind the scenes uh, attempts to recover. I mean, there was, there was an attempt to recover um, Brad Pitt in... Uh, 2000, I want to say it was 2000 or 2001, but it didn't go anywhere. And, you know, when, when these two made their statements, I'm pretty sure that someone did, someone from the president's office at Celebrity Center went to make a visit with both of them to say, hey, what's going on? And had whatever conversation and maybe tried to get them back, but 
it, you know, it didn't go anywhere. I mean, that's what they would normally do. Um, and they just let them go. I mean, as long as they're not criticizing, I mean, why would you want to say something bad about them? That's like, isn't that the Barbara Streisand effect? That's true. But I, but I also, I, I think you're right that they maybe are not going to, as long as Beck and Laura Prepon are not saying anything negative, Scientology may not be bad mouthing them because they perhaps hope they can still bring them back. Yeah. And then another minor thing, which I don't know if this is obvious to you or not, but with the dwindling of the Sea Org and everything is, seems to need to be approved by David Miscavige and he can't keep track of everything that's going on. There's all kinds of things that just uh, fall through the cracks because nobody, nobody's assigned a post and responsible for it. I mean, Back in the 90s, you know, OSA was a, a full organization and everybody had a job and everybody was doing their watchdog stuff. And there's nothing there's nothing like that today. They used to count how many inches of bad press and that was a statistic, you know. And how, how do they have people to keep up with all this? Do they have any people left in the Sea Org? Well, I think they contract out a lot of that work. I know that a couple of the people that I found out who were investigating me were simply uh, out of work journalists. <clears throat> they, they will hire. Wow. So they'll, so they'll hire former cops, they'll hire former <laughs> justice people. And then for stuff like, you know, keeping tabs on a writer, they'll hire a, another writer or, or, you know, somebody who's desperate for work. So, uh, you know, that you're right. The Sea Org is probably smaller now and the resources are a little smaller, but they still have a lot of money. And so they, they spend a lot of money surveilling people and smearing people. And every once in a while, I'll get a report about somebody investigating me. And I'm always stunned. I mean, some of them are, have, you know, there, there was one guy I know who was assigned to Lawrence Wright. And this guy was actually technically a Pulitzer Prize winner. I mean, Lawrence, Lawrence is a Pulitzer Prize winner, so they assigned a Pulitzer Prize winner to follow him. I mean, he was part of this you know, team that had won a, a daily newspaper Pulitzer on a breaking story. But technically, he was a Pulitzer Prize winner. And he, his, his assignment was just to tail Larry, um, go to events and ask him questions, um, I am, I ran into this guy one time in Denver where he lives and he came up to me and we talked for a minute and he said to me, this guy, um, this, this reporter who's, who follows Lawrence Wright, he said that he was going to prove that Lawrence Wright did no research for his book going clear. And I just looked at the guy like I now, I understand Scientology's paying this guy a lot of money. And it's probably, you know, saved him as far as his retirement is concerned. But even he can't be that deluded. I mean, all you have to do is look at the pages in the going clear and you can see how much work Lawrence Wright and people like uh, 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 his uh, Lauren Wolf, his uh, researcher, did. I mean, just incredible work. So that's the kind of people they hire. It's not necessarily Sea Org people anymore. Right. Did you know some of the OSA people at CC that were doing some of that work? 
Uh, I mean, we always had a DSA. There's always an OSA person uh, keeping up with stuff. But I mean, the celebrity stuff was always pretty much dealt with by the president's office, all aspects of it uh, back in the 90s. I don't know if it's still like that or not. And there was a special entrance to get to the president's office, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a way to come in the building and leave. You can um, access auditing rooms, a course room, the president's office, there's a parking lot and there's a separate purif area that uh, people can go to without ever being seen in, in the org. And what is your impression today as far I mean, you're right. I've, I Every once in a while, I'll pull up an old story from the 90s or the early 2000s, and it's kind of amazing to see celebrities speaking out, and and you can tell that they're, they're, they're really uh, aggressive with the press and everything. And today, it's really hard to get uh, the celebrities to say anything, and when they do, it's just it's almost nothing. Um, you know, you, you were in the Celebrity Center. Is this an idea that's that still works for Scientology? I mean, it's it's a Hubbard idea that uh, he has celebrities disseminating Scientology. It was important to Hubbard that that people with their voices promoted Scientology. So the idea in the 90s, I mean, Celebrity Center was doing really well in the 90s. It was newly renovated building and we had full staff and the org was very, very busy and celebrities were getting in other celebrities. You know, things were rolling in the 90s. And Can you give me an example of one celebrity who got another one in? I mean, Kirstie Alley brought in um, Kurt Cobain's wife right after right after uh, he passed away. What's her name, Courtney Love? Wow, Courtney Love. Yeah, I mean, I think she's spoken positively about her experience. She did the Pure of, um, that was back then. I mean, that was in the 90s. That was one of them I, I can think of off the top of my head. And of course, uh... Danny or somebody close to Danny brought in Laura Prepon. Right. Yep. And uh, I guess that was more. Uh, I, I wouldn't you be surprised to hear that that would work today? Yeah, I mean, people are pretty apprehensive about Scientology. I mean, I don't think that. Back, I mean, there were some, there were books and there were, uh, you know, people, there was news and books about Scientology through the 90s. But I think when things really started hitting the internet and people were able to actually see more broadly what, what's going on there, I think it made a lot more people apprehensive. So it really affected Scientology, the internet has really damaged it. I mean, not just the internet, but, you know, the people telling their stories. Right. I mean, there have always been people who have told their stories. There have always been people who left, came forward, spoke about it. But it was just very difficult uh, earlier because Scientology was so litigious. 
And, uh, you know, there was no internet to spread things far and wide as much. Uh, and then in the 90s in particular, right at the, the beginning in 1991, Time Magazine came out with its cover story about Scientology uh, by Richard Bahar that was, that was amazing. But Scientology sued for $400 million and lost, but it took, a, it took a while and Time spent something like six or seven million dollars defending itself. Other press was the other press was watching that very closely, and so there was a big chilling effect through most of the '90s. I think there were a few journalists that were still doing very good work in the '90s. I think of Richard Leiby at the Washington Post did great work, but you know it was tough. It was tough to get that kind of thing done, um, and uh, there was also uh, then the the Tampa Bay Times guys started uh, doing some really good work uh, in the next decade. But but for a while there, it was tough to get information out about Scientology. Right. And, I, I you know, with the Times article in the middle of everything else, that that's just another example. Isn't isn't it Hubbard that wanted Paulette Cooper to be set an example? And I think they just did that again with the Time magazine article where they're saying this is what happens when you when you when you try to report on us oh no question that that a lot of these strategies against journalists are mainly simply meant to scare yeah. scare publications it's that they don't usually win these lawsuits they lost the washington post one uh, i mean the time magazine one they, they subsequently lost one against the washington post but you know l ron hubbard is on record saying that the lawsuit is not necessarily to win it's to scare people it's to wear them down it's to cost them a lot of money and that to this, day, yeah. to this day, it makes lawyers for media companies nervous and, and, and media companies are still very careful today. Uh, even, even now, even after Leah's show and Lawrence Wright's book uh, and, and going clear, I can tell you from personal experience that there are networks and, and news organizations that, are very interested in exposing what's going on in Scientology, but can't bring themselves to pull the trigger. Wow. So they still have that, that hold, that scare on journalists. Absolutely. And you know, they've, they've earned their reputation for being bullies. People don't want it. People don't want to be investigated, you know, I mean, look what you've gone through. You've written so many good pieces for us about, the, the stuff Scientology has put you through and your family, all the disconnection and stuff. And, and you know, uh, we're all grateful that you, you tell us these stories. But, you know, there are other people that don't want to have anything to do with an organization that's scary, you know? Yeah, I know it. Has writing about those things helped you? Yeah, I like I like writing about them. Um, I think it helps me. I, I feel like I, I get to assess them better. And, you know, sometimes I have it gives me a new angle of it. And in a way, I, I walk away from from that. That story saying, OK, good, it happened. So I think so. I think a lot of them, I mean, some of them are kind of wild, but <laughs> well, this last one you wrote for me was really important. I felt because 
Um, yes, some time has passed since you were in Scientology, but time and again, uh, something happens topically right now in the news, and you have an angle to tell me about. So, for example, um, I wrote recently about how one of Scientology's attorneys has been trying to, he's been putting out, he put out a chapter in a book, and he's been giving lectures apparently, trying to convince people that Scientology uh, treats confessional material like other, quote, religions, and so therefore de deserves protection of the courts. And you, you wrote me a great piece recently about how that just isn't true, that when somebody was in trouble, if somebody took off, the first thing you would do is get out their folders and go through their private confessional material to get clues for, for information that would help you track them down. That's right. And you saw people's private confessional files being rifled through. I did it myself and handed them to other people. I mean, I'm, I'm a sinner. I was a Sea Org member, which is a sinner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Sea Org member, ex-Sea Org member, hopefully an ex-sinner. <laughs> <laughs> I helped recover lots of people, interrogated people, and made them stay. I got people to come back. I did all of that stuff and I'm sorry. I'm, I've, I've audited, I've done sessions of introspection rundown. I've, I've been involved in one, two, three, four, four introspection rundowns. All of them were isolated or well, two of them were locked up and two of them were just isolated, but you know, I hate it, and I wish I I wish I knew how those guys were doing. I, that's the one. Those four people. I would love to know. Sorry, I'm rambling, but maybe we can work. Maybe we can work on that. Uh, you and I could. Maybe that's a future project. We could work on that. Track but, them um, down. No. <laughs> but see, that's. I think people like you are so valuable because I know there are other people that come out of Scientology that maybe have. Uh, participated in some of its nefarious activities and they don't, they don't, they want to put a, a different face on it. I'm thinking of course of Marty Rathbun who, who, you know, had such a reputation for being an enforcer and scary guy, but he was writing books calling himself a warrior for Scientology. You know, he wanted to be seen as this knight in shining armor who was going to save Scientology. And I, you know, that's, I, I think other people have a way of, of, of not, you know, what I'm trying to say is I always appreciate the people who come forward and say, I know Scientology does some pretty shitty things because I was involved in it. That takes a lot. Uh, you know, I know it's not easy for you. And I just want you to know how much everybody in the bunker community appreciates that you have done that. You've really told us some very personal things and really traumatizing things that, that happened to you in Scientology. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hope, I hope they help people understand it better, you know, people who have never been in, and I hope that maybe one or two people that know me from back then read some of these stories and, and go, oh, yeah, I was one of her. And then I've had a few of those where people have reached out to me, and I help them uh, – find out what happened to a family member, stuff like that. So I can't really get into any of that, but 
I like being able to, you know, help people close things up or understand what happened. So that's, that's what I hope I accomplish with some of these articles. And you told me that this last piece you wrote about going through people's files, that that got you a big reaction kind of behind the scenes from some of the other Scientologists, right? Yeah, I got, uh, uh, from some second gens, I got, a, um, some thank yous for, uh, coming out with that information and just being direct and honest and, um, raw about it. Well, I certainly appreciate that you did that. And like I said, it directly contradicts. They've got this lawyer out there lying his ass off, uh, trying to pretend that Scientology has these high ethical standards about protecting confessional information, which we know is not true. And that I've, I've said this many times before, but one of the things that really bugs me, I mean, it's one thing if you've got a believer who's signed a billion-year contract and is doing some things that they basically have to do to, to be to stay in good standing. But when you're talking about attorneys lying to judges, lying to courts, and, and we can prove that they're lying and they serve, they suffer no consequences. Of course, the number one to me was when Bert Deitzler, this uh, attorney told the U S Supreme court and the California state Supreme court, that Laura DiCrescenzo's files should not be turned over because they contained religious material. And the courts disagreed. She got her materials. And what did it contain? There was no religious material. It was disgusting examples of a child being manipulated, guilted, just, you know, gaslighted, horrible treatment of a child. That's what Bert Dykstra was trying to keep hidden and that he told some of the highest courts in this country was religious material. And that guy suffers no consequences. That bugs the crap out of me. Yeah, that is absolutely unbelievable. But thanks to people like you, we get the truth. And uh, I, I, you know, it's really important. So I just want you to know how much we all appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, so any other uh, observations about Scientology celebrities and Celebrity Center today and how maybe things are changing from your day? I mean, it seems pretty dead to me, but I don't know. I mean, we do we even do they even put out the celebrity magazine anymore? Should I haven't seen one in a long time, but let me just tell if there's anybody listening to this that's getting a copy, please forward any copies of Celebrity Magazine or or Impact or or source to the bunker I, to my email i'd really like to see those but you're right i haven't seen a celebrity in a long time yeah i'm wondering if they if they pass those out and there's two versions of it which i'll tell you if you don't know it's a major and the minor if it says major on the front that only goes to scientologists it's not going to non-scientologists like they just they don't bulk send that out that just goes to people who are on the bridge somewhere. And if, it's, if it says minor on it, it's, it's going everywhere. So that gives you a better idea of how much is that celebrity actually promoting Scientology? If they're just on the major, the one that says major, they're not actually promoting Scientology. They're just promoting Scientology to themselves. If that makes sense. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess they, I guess they promote the Celebrity Center to publics uh, in general just to give them a feeling like you know things are still great, right? They should, yeah. I mean, they're supposed to have that magazine come out once a month. That's Hubbard policy, but who knows if they're really doing it? I mean, who's on the front? I mean, we we don't know anything about this great religion saving the world. <laughs> the last the last issue I saw was from a couple of years ago and the the I didn't even recognize the person on the cover and the only person I did recognize inside was um uh the Martin Cove right Marty Cove the guy that's uh in um oh he was in the oh, God, people are gonna kill me for forgetting uh the uh, the show um Karate Kid and now they have Cobra Kai Cobra Kai oh okay and, yeah, yeah, Martin Cove. He's a long time Scientologist, and the last, um, the last copy of Celebrity that I actually laid my eyes on a couple of years ago featured him being all gung ho. So he's still very, very much a Scientologist in the wow. Scientology. Yeah, and he's hit it big again. You know, he's really, you know, that whole Karate Kid thing has has come back around. Uh, so he's doing very, very well, and I'm sure they're thrilled. Well, that's cool. For him. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, I haven't been around the celebrity center scene since the late 90s. I mean, I was in the 2000s, I moved on. So I didn't I don't know. And they don't let anything come off that property where possible. You don't find out anything that's going on if you're not physically celebrity center staff. So it's it's hard to know what's going on. They keep Yeah, it- but you but you were there when you got to see Brad Pitt's iguana get a nervousness. And you got to see Kirstie Alley getting uh, help splitting from Parker from the church that wanted her with the new guy. What was his name again? James Wilder was his name, I think. Yeah, we called him Greasy Face. Oh, oh, now you're getting me in trouble, Sonny. <laughs> Sorry, we didn't, we couldn't remember his name. Everybody called him that. <laughs> I think everybody had a name there. I should probably keep my mouth shut. Oh, there were another. There were celebrity nicknames. You have to tell me another one. Come on. <clears throat> I mean, you know, John Travolta's is Jack Truffle. Jack Truffle. Yes. I'm afraid to ask why. Bert. What? I'm afraid to ask why it was Jack Truffle. I don't know. <laughs> but it was Jack Truffle. Imagine what you want into that. <laughs> Okay. And Brad Pitt was Bert. Bert. Bert Pitt. Uh, yeah, they call him Bert. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I don't. Those are the only ones I remember. Okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> I know you don't like talking about the celebrity, so the fact that we got that out of you, I'm so thrilled. I'm that. That's a perfect place. Uh, thank you, Sonny, so much for joining me and uh, I, I can't wait for your next piece for the underground bunker. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye.